You're listening to Meeting Pod, the podcast powered by Meeting Place, the premier magazine and news source for the meat and poultry processing industry, and Alt Meat Magazine, the only business information resource for the exploding alternative meat industry. This episode is sponsored by Fusion Tech. Hi, I'm Julie Larson Brisher, your host for episode 77 of Meeting Pod, where we're talking regional economics and poultry industry best practices with Holly Porter, Executive Director of the Delmarva Chicken Association, the Tri-State Chicken Industry's voice as the premier membership association focusing on advocacy, education, and member relations. Hired in 2017 as the Assistant Executive Director of DCA, Holly became the first female Executive Director of the 1,600-member Chicken Industry Trade Association in 2019. She is responsible for implementing the DCA Board's strategic plan, including government affairs, education, and membership development. Before joining DCA, Holly was the Deputy Principal Assistant at the Delaware Department of Agriculture, where she was responsible for coordinating the strategic and legislative policy initiatives for DDA in partnership with the state's Secretary of Agriculture, as well as following all national policies to determine the impact on Delaware agriculture. Since 1957, DCA has collected and compiled production data from the poultry companies operating on Maryland's eastern shore, on the eastern shore of Virginia, and in Delaware in order to measure Delmarva's chicken economy. In May, the association shared its latest economic report on the region, which represents 12% of poultry production in the U.S., The data show that in 2021, the Delmarva chicken community raised 567 million chickens, produced 4.2 billion pounds of shelf and table-ready chicken, and generated a record $4.2 billion in wholesale value. In today's episode, I'm excited to chat with Holly about the By the Numbers report and the insights it provides into the chicken industry's important role in Delmarva's economy, the successes and challenges of 2021, and what 2022 might hold. Welcome to Meeting Pod, Holly. It's a pleasure to have you as a guest on the podcast today. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to be here. All right. Well, before we start talking poultry, Holly, I'd love to get to know a little bit more about you, how you got into a poultry industry career, and and what you like most about it. Sure. So I am a farmer's daughter, born and raised here on the Delmarva Peninsula. So I grew up in Caroline County, Maryland. My father was not a chicken farmer. He is currently still a small grain farmer, so very much a big part of the chicken industry. And our three-legged stool are the grain farmers here. And so I grew up on a farm, loved being on the farm until I was around 16, 17. And then I looked forward to getting away from the farm and agriculture. And I fled to the big city uh, in the Northern Virginia area to go to college. And then honestly, I will say there's just something about agriculture, the people who work in agriculture that just really is near and dear to my heart. So I started my career really in agriculture, working at farm credit. For a number of years, I had a communications and marketing background. And then, of course, as you saw, I moved over to the Delaware Department of Agriculture and really cut my teeth into the policy world. And really, that's where the intersection, I guess, of working within the ag industry in Delmarva, where, as you can see, chicken is a big part of that industry, 
And then also working on the advocacy and the legislative affairs information really came together with the opportunity of my predecessor, who was retiring after 25 years in the role. And so that's sort of how I got started and how I came to become the executive director of the Delmar the Chicken Association. Well, what do you like most about it? Is the passion for eggs still driving you? It is, absolutely. I think what I love the most about the job is that, first of all, every day is different. You never know what it is that you're going to be doing, whether it's, you know, one day you might be dressed in a suit and you're talking to legislators in Annapolis or in Dover, and the next day you're out on a chicken farm and you're touring and you're hearing more about what's on the minds of a grower and everything in between. And I think that that's really uh, what I love about it. I definitely still very much have a passion for agriculture. I have a passion in making sure that the growers now and the future growers and the future to come will still have a job and still have such a strong tie here on our Delmarva Peninsula. And so I think that's important to me. It's important to know that my children will be eating chicken that was raised right here on the Delmarva Peninsula for years to come. Yeah, that's great. Well, let's dive right in now to our topic today. As I noticed in the intro, in May, DCA released its economic report for 2021. I'd like to get your take on some of the insights from that report. Can you share a few of the key highlights in terms of numbers for the market, production capacity, grower income, et cetera? Sure. Yeah. So as you mentioned, we've been collecting these numbers for years now, and it's really important for us to have an idea of you know, what does our industry look like? How does it impact the economy? And I think some of the most important numbers really was, again, that wholesale value of chicken was at $4.2 billion. I mean, those are not small numbers at all. And they're very important, especially when we're having discussions with legislators, with stakeholders and the sorts. It's really important to understand just how large uh, value and part of our economy the Delmarva chicken industry is. I think, again, a lot of those numbers also reflect upon the demand. Of course, the past couple of years, we have certainly had our challenges with COVID. We've had our challenges with the marketplace, with restaurants closing, institutions closing, and our industry really had to pivot. And so I think when you take a look at that value, it just shows that the demand continues to still be really strong for chicken, whether that's here in the U.S. or whether that's worldwide. And those numbers, I think, very much are reflecting on that. I think some other things that are also reflective of our numbers was the amount of feed ingredients. We were at $1.3 billion in feed ingredients. And actually, when you dive into the numbers a little bit more, we actually, the companies purchased less. So again, that's very indicative of the commodity markets, especially, I guess it was really late summer, early fall of last year. We're really starting to rise and what that means to our industry as well, too. I think some of the other things that are really interesting is, again, just the amount of chickens that we raised. It was actually slightly down for the year. And I think what's really important as we have looked at the trends is to look at that 20-year change. So looking from year to year says a lot, but I think it really says more when you look at the 10-year and the 20-year changes that we see. And for many folks there for a while, we were seeing a increase in some new housing, new building of houses a number of years ago. 
And we had a lot of people that were concerned that there was runaway growth within our industry. But in reality, when you look at the number of chicken houses, when you look at the number of chicken growers, it has decreased in the past 20 years and significantly to some extent. We have a 45% decrease from 20 years ago of the number of chicken growers that are here on our Delmarva. So I think, you know, what is important to me when we look at those numbers is, again, to be able to look at those trends and not just the year over year, but to take a look at things over the long term and to be able to really, again, put into perspective where we are here in our Delmarva. Were there any numbers that were surprising, especially given the challenges in 2021 to the poultry industry, like the pandemic and rising costs? Honestly, I don't think there were a lot that were really surprising. Probably the one that surprised me the most, I think, was really the feed ingredients. And it surprised me only to see the reality, to see that large number. Again, just knowing that the commodity prices were starting to creep up a little bit. So once I was able to sit back, I very much understood and recognized the why. And probably the same even with the wholesale value of chicken. I could understand the why. But at first, when you first see that number, it's like, wow. That's a lot. And that's a big increase from one year. But, you know, again, taking a look at where we are, taking a look at, you know, the economy, it's not surprising that from, you know, one year, we're up nearly 30% on our feed ingredients. And really, that plays into, in a lot of ways, the value of the chicken being up nearly 25% year over year as well, too. And now we'll take a brief break from our conversation to hear a message from this episode's sponsor, Fusion Tech. Improving yields and consistency is possible in a Fusion Tech smokehouse. Our patented airflow technology allows you to set the location and duration of the oven breakpoint, meaning you can reduce the amount of overcooked and undercooked product on each rack. The result? Our customers have seen up to a 10% increase in yields, up to a 28% increase in consistency, and up to a 35% decrease in cook time over their previous oven. Improve yields and consistency across your product. Learn more and request a quote at https.ftiinc.org slash ovens. Now back to the podcast. Well, now the report also talked about the contribution of Delmarva's five chicken companies, Amic Farms, Allen Harim, Mount Air, Purdue, and Tyson. What were some of the investments these companies made and or the positive impacts they had on Delmarva in 2021? Sure. So our chicken companies here are constantly making investments, whether that's improvements in technology within their processing plants, whether that's bringing on additional employees to help in making those connections with growers. And also a very big part of what our companies are always looking at is improvements in wastewater treatments, wastewater plants within their processing plants. That's a very, very important topic across the United States, but especially here in the Delmarva, where our backyard happens to be the Chesapeake Bay. And we definitely have a lot of rules, regulations, and important pieces that we need to follow. And so the companies are always looking for improvements, making investments into those improvements, as well as things such as you know feed mills. Many of the companies also have ownership of several of our, our feed mills in the area. And so always looking for improvements and making improvements there to make it better for our farmers as well, too, when they're bringing grain to those feed bins as well. Well, now, speaking of uh, positive impacts, let's talk a little bit about 
DCA's Vegetative Environmental Buffers Program. There were some positive numbers in the report, and I noticed that DCA has introduced a new award this year for chicken growers who integrate these buffers and other conservation measures on their farms. Can you tell us a little bit more about that program and the award? Sure. So this is a program we have been excited to have. We've actually had a person on staff for over 14 years whose number one goal is really to work directly with our growers in helping to offer conservation practices such as these buffers. And this really was, we were very much leading the way in this on Delmarva. And I have a number of other state associations that are often asking more about what we do and why we do. But it really was recognizing, you know, 15 some years ago when we made some changes, we started using tunnel ventilation within our systems. We recognize also that we had more people moving into our rural country areas because they love living in the country but maybe not understanding that we also farm in the country as well, too. So this was a very big, important initiative for DCA because it really helped to build neighbor relations between our growers and those who were moving to the country. We've actually taken it a step further over the past 14 years, and we're not only looking at putting in sort of the buffers, but we're also looking at putting in pollinators, which is great for all of agriculture, We're looking at putting grasses and hedgerows in front of our tunnel fans. We're looking at how they can help with improvement for not only neighbor relations, but for water quality, for air quality. And it's a really great program. And it's beneficial, like I said, not only to the growers, but really our environment and our Delmarva footprint overall. So we're really excited about that. And we wanted to take it a step further. And this year, Our environmental committee came up with an initiative so that we can, again, award those who have taken these measures and really have just run with them. So we have an award this year that will be given to a chicken grower who has really just gone above and beyond when it comes to environmental practices, best management practices, conservation, and really at the end of the day, just having a really beautiful farm that they can showcase not only and take a pride for themselves, but also showcase for others in the community as well. Yeah. Can you remind me again, what's the name of that award? Who was that named for? It is the George Bud Malone Award. And really he was a, he is a retired extension specialist with the University of Delaware, a poultry specialist. And he really had the foresight in recognizing where some challenges may be And it was really through his work that got the program started. He did a lot of research over the years as to some of the best plants, how close we should have them, how far away. Again, the benefits from the sense of, you know, filtering dust, filtering sound. Uh, We actually have a number of buffers that we can really show that they've helped to filter any sounds that farms have as well, too. So he really was the pioneer for this, and he was very humble that we would have the award in his name. But really, I think it's well-deserving for him and really just speaks volumes, again, to the leadership within our Delmarva area of really just wanting to recognize where there are challenges and really be able to come up with some opportunities and some good stories behind it as well. Well, now, speaking of challenges, I'm going to pivot here to talking about how DCA has really been one of the best resources for information on preparedness, biosecurity measures, and other 
strategies to combat the spread of highly pathogenic avian flu in the U.S. Are there any new or novel biosecurity measures or actions that the association is recommending to its members? Or is it really about stick with the basics and do those really well? So as much as I would love to say that we've come up with some, you know, great new novel concept, it really is about the basics. And, you know, it's every time we have biosecurity talks and we partner a lot. So of course, within our association, we are sharing information constantly. We are partnering with, again, our extension, both at University of Maryland, University of Delaware, having several talks. We actually just had one this past Wednesday. And no matter what, really, it all comes down to the very end of the basics, dedicated footwear, proper mortality, making sure that you know, you're spraying down tires, you are wearing dedicated clothing on the farm and in the houses that you don't wear into town, that, you know, you don't take off of the farm or you don't bring things onto the farm. It seems so basic and yet it's so important. And in some ways it's not hard. You know, I think sometimes folks try to make it a little bit more difficult than it is, but it really isn't. It's really sticking to those basics and making sure to be very attentive, know who's coming on your farm, limiting visitors on the farm. You know, again, there are certain times where you really don't need to have additional folks on. So, you know, those are some of the basics. And, you know, I'm pretty proud of all of the work that our chicken growers have done over this past year. And honestly, we'll need to continue to do over the past couple of years. Unfortunately, we did have, you know, a couple cases in our broiler industry but we had two. And that's saying a lot considering, as I said, we have over 1300 growers here in our Delmarva. So, you know, I think it speaks volumes again to just how much our growers are really paying attention and are doing all that they can uh, in making sure they have proper biosecurity. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because I'm not quite sure what the numbers are as far as how long is the arc for HPAI, you know, at any given moment? I mean, we have this problem in the past and obviously globally we have measurements, but it's such an uncertain thing. It's almost like COVID. Like you just don't know when it's going (laughs) to surge again and then go away and then come back, you know? So I think sticking to the basics is probably the best thing you can do. Yeah, absolutely. And staying vigilant, you know, staying vigilant, especially again, during the fall and the winter seasons, when we know our waterfowl are migrating, and really even staying vigilant year round, especially this you know past year, it seems that not only is it in those migrating waterfowl, but it may be getting into some of our resident waterfowl as well as other raptors, vultures. You know, there have been a lot of those detected. So it's just really important to stay vigilant and never let your guard down and, you know, do all that we can to make sure that we are protecting the flock. Yeah. Well, we're coming up on the end of the episode here, Holly. So I've got one final question for you, a little less serious, but what's your favorite way to eat and prepare chicken? So actually it was funny. I was just talking about this with my daughter the other day and my favorite way to eat it is actually grilled and marinated And honestly, it's my parents that do the best job of it. So they have this wonderful marinade and they will put it on the grill and is our favorite summertime meal, especially when we're sitting by the pool, which we'll be looking forward to. So that's my favorite way of eating uh, chicken. 
<laughs> it's, it sounds fantastic. All right. Well, thanks so much, Holly, again, for taking the time to share your insights with us today on Meeting Pod. And listeners, you can learn more about Delmarva Chicken Association and its member companies, download the 2021 Economic Report, and get the scoop on membership, education opportunities, and events at www.dcachicken.com. And be sure to sign up for the Chicken Chatter email newsletter while you're there. The editorial team at Meeting Place are big fans of this super informative resource. So thanks, Holly, to you and your staff for that. You can also head over to Meeting Place's website at www.meetingplace.com to access our technical article archives to get more smart manufacturing advice from our poultry processor and other science and technology newsletters. Thanks again, Holly. I hope to see you soon, maybe at your parents' house for some of that chicken. (laughs) Absolutely. Thank you. And thanks to our sponsor, Fusion Tech. Thanks for spending time with Meeting Pod today. Remember to tune in on Mondays and get the inside track on the people and processes that power the protein supply. Be sure to subscribe to Meeting Pod on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And follow Meeting Place and Altmate magazines on social media or visit our websites at meetingplace.com and alt-meet.net. <laughs>